Hello, and welcome to They Just Get It. My name is Tyler Chisholm, and I'm really excited to have a special guest with me today, a good, a good friend of mine, a local, a little bit of a local celebrity, I'm going to boldly say. Welcome, Miss Catherine Brownlee. Oh, thank you, Tyler. Thank you for having me. It is an absolute pleasure. So for you, for those of you, if you're among the minority who have not met Ms. Brownlee, she is uh, president and CEO of CBI, Catherine Brownlee, Inc., one of the leading uh, recruitment firms here, here in town. And she is probably one of the most networked women. I think 85,000 contacts is what it says on, on your LinkedIn, which we're going to talk a little bit about that because it's an impressive number, how you maintain that, those kind of relationships, which I think is part of the art form of being Catherine Brownlee. Also, published author, three books. One of them reached number one on Amazon almost the day of its launch, I believe, which was super impressive. I'm going to make you blush a little bit here because I read your LinkedIn profile and yeah, again, you know someone, you lead their LinkedIn profile, you learn, you learn a bit more. And um, peer, peer-reviewed, amongst one of the, the most influential women in Calgary. So there's a lot of things I just mentioned, but that was the one I was the most interested in. Tell me a little bit about that or how that one, how that one came about. Hmm. Well, I was nominated uh, through a friend of mine and um, first of all, honored because I never am alone in any of this. Anything that gets done uh, through me is, uh, is with a huge team. So uh, without them, we couldn't do anything that we do. So although uh, nominated, I felt that I was taking it for the team. I was doing it for all of us. Fantastic. How many people on your team? Tell us a little bit about CBI. Who, who, who are you guys? What are you all about? For, for anyone who hasn't had the privilege of, of working with you, tell us a little bit about the back, what's the backstory behind CBI. Well, backstory, well, first we started as prominent personnel in 1998, and that was, that was strictly a search firm. Um, and then it evolved over time, and we rebranded um, a few years ago under CBI. And it's all about connecting people and organizations that we believe in around the globe. And, and sometimes we make money at it, sometimes we don't. It's not all about that. Uh, it really is leading with uh, pure intention first to try and put two together to make the, their world or the world a better place. Oh, that's fantastic. How many people, how big, how big is your team? Because I know you're right across Canada. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's six of us in total. Some fantastic. Some are part-time and some are almost full-time. And you have a specific, I know you do a lot of work in the oil and gas sector. Is How's that been the last couple of years? Tell, like, yeah, how, how's that roller coaster been for you? Thank you. It's been, um, it's quite sad actually um, with the people that we deal with, the majority of the, the people that are looking for oil and gas jobs. There's not too many. Uh, so on the candidate side, it's heart-wrenching. Um, we provide a lot of services and support for them as they're transitioning or trying to look for a new job or even trying to repot into something completely different. Uh, and then on the client side, there's not been much in the energy industry uh, anywhere, uh, here in Canada anyway. So fortunately, though, we were pivoting into other industries, and it was at the perfect right time. We've been placing a wide variety of people in tax and accounting, lawyers, uh, agriculture, um, business supplies, office supplies, a lot of other areas that we were not focusing on prior to well, prior to the rebrand, certainly didn't have a, a crystal ball on that, but I, I didn't want to be just in oil and gas anymore, and thank goodness, so we were able to... So you had already there. started the diversification path, kind of, uh, I'm going to say, quote-unquote, before, before you needed to, or before the market kind of dictated and kind of gave us all a little bit of a, kind of a kick sometimes. <laughs> yeah, fortunately, yeah, just six months before, really, it was just, just oh, at the right time. And what's your, again, I always ask people, like, what, any crystal ball, do you see any shift? Is 2019 looking like, specifically talking about oil and gas, or your, your, yeah, your, the glum look on your face is telling me that's not the case. So no, no shifts or no, not, what's going on? Do you see anything out there? There are some pockets of hope, 
and there's some money being raised. It's not big money. It's it's a struggle still. I'm good friends with a few capital guys here that, that have quite a few files in oil and gas, and they're trying to raise some money, but it's very, very difficult still. I think when um, our current government uh, got in, a lot of the big money left the province for a long time, and I'm I'm not sure when we're going to get them back. Uh, yeah, it's, it's scary. Like, you know, oh, you know, there's always a hope, or you start in the new year, like, oh, 2019 will be better, but if you break down the fundamentals, what what is there to, to make it better? And I know it's nice to be hopeful and you want to be optimistic and as an entrepreneur and as a business person and someone who's helping people to grow their career, you want to be optimistic. And at the same time, you've got to be realistic in terms of what the world is, what's going on around us. But so anyways, true. let's not go, let's not take this down a dark road. Oh. So early, <laughs> so early, what we're really here about today. And part of, part of, they just get it is one, having the curiosity to talk to people about their stories, but also it's so easy to get to the end and go, Oh wow. So wow. You're really, you're killing it. Your life looks awesome. Things look great. It doesn't always start that way. And from my experience, whether personally or just even doing the show, talking to people, there's always some twists and turns. So what I'd love to talk to you and get back for, you know, probably people that know you, but probably don't know the whole Catherine Brownlee story. So you're... You're Alberta, born and raised. Yes, Innisfil, Alberta. Innisfil, Alberta. Right on. So maybe give us a little bit of background. Where did you grow up? What was your environment? Like, like, don't go too far to the beginning. I'm going to be here all day. But anyways, yeah, tell me a little bit of your story. Tell me a little bit about where you came from. Yeah, so yeah, born in Innisfil and grew up on a farm close to Sundry, Spruceview area. My sister Roxanne actually doesn't like it when I say sundry because there's kind of the corner gas boundary between the sundries. Like every small, absolutely. Like every small, I grew up in a small town and it was very, someone's like, oh, you're from this. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm from Howick. I'm not from Warrenstown. I'm not from this other. I'm very familiar. And it's like, it's usually a road or there's a divide where which side of the road you're from. Anyway, yes, I'm very familiar with that. Yeah, so funny. But no one knew where Sprucey was. So all these years I said sundry anyway. Um, And as you go farther away from home, the higher you have to bring it up. Right. Eventually you say Red Deer, then you just say Calgary, That's then right. you just say Alberta, depending on where you're traveling. <laughs> That's exactly right. Or Canada. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some, yeah. we're going to go broad strokes and we're going to narrow our way down. That's so true. Okay, so grew up not, yeah. just not in Sundry. I heard yeah, that loud not, and clear. Not right. just anything wrong with that. <laughs> that's right, exactly. 100%. Exactly. Um, uh, it was a very modest uh, upbringing. Um, when I was nine years old, 1974, that's when our life really changed and, and dad was in a car accident January 24th that year. And was in the hospital for six months. Um, Within a couple of weeks of him uh, ending up in the hospital, unfortunately, their youngest daughter, my youngest sister, passed away. So the combination of those two things really made it difficult for our family. And at the time, um, we had 160 cows ready to have babies. Uh, We had pigs and chickens and horses. and, uh, And mom was stepping in and leaning in to do all that. We had a lot of help. We had some great family members and some hired men from what was a lumber mill at the time, too. The lumber mill was going on, too. Um, so your, your, your dad might have sound similar. Operating farm, lumber mill on the side, kind of the entrepreneur who had kind of something for every season. Um, oh, very familiar growing up in that environment. So you guys had lots on the go. And now all of a sudden, your dad is, can't work. That's right. Well, wow. at least during the time that he was in the hospital. Interesting, though, he was he was the hardest working, most dedicated individual I've ever known. He never stopped when he hit the farm again. He had the hired men uh, weld things on the tractors and swathers and whatever. He he drove a drove every vehicle he had right up until the last few years with a uh, broomstick handle. 
So he just never let anything stop him. He was um, he was full on all the time. That's a powerful. It's a powerful role model. You know the 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 worlds we grew up in and the people we had to to show that that's just the way it was. You just you just I'm pardon the you just got shit done. That's he sure did. <laughs> you just got he shit sure done because sure there was did. no option. Because if you didn't do it, no one else was going to. So, so that was early '70s. So how old were you ballpark at at the time? Uh, nine years old. Wow, that's a big transition. And you were the oldest. I was. So obviously a big role for you. Um, big yeah. opportunity and, and growing up on a farm there's always work to do as a kid like <laughs> so there's true. no you're too young to go out and work that's just the way that's the way it goes <laughs> that's right. so your world must have so did you play a bigger more active role at, at that point uh yeah um certainly uh, we all did we all stepped in and leaned in for sure um mom of course took the the majority and then my si- younger sister still called me the boss you know I was I moved into more of a let's get organized this is how the house is going to get clean. This is, here's our chores and all that sort of work. And, and Roxanne being the middle sister was certainly a, a number two on that and supporting because she's still the most organized person I know. How many, how many, how many, how big was the family? How many kids? Uh, there was four girls in total. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. With the youngest one passing away. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And so nine years old. So how long, how long did you stay on the farm? When did you, cause I know you eventually found your way down to Calgary. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, we were only on the farm until, um, uh, mom left dad when I was 13. I think I was, re- I'm really bad with time and space, but about 13 years old. Okay. And, uh, we left and moved into Spruce View, which is where the school was. Uh, sorry, actually there was another town, but anyway, Spruce View is where we landed. And then as soon as I graduated, I, I couldn't wait to get out of there. I, I uh, love. Yes, I, I, I had the escape the small town syndrome as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I love. I love the town. I love the people. I still do. They're still real good, real good friends of mine. But I, I just wanted something different. I didn't know what yet. And first moved to Innisfil, then to Red Deer, and then found myself uh, following the what I thought was the love of my dreams to Calgary, uh, and married him really young. We were, I think, I was eighteen when I married him. <laughs> Such a, yeah, a good time to make long-term life decisions. But anyways, when you're 18, you know, you know everything. Oh, I knew everything. And so that point you're out on your own, you're, 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 you're finding your own, you're doing your own thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. But with all that hard work and grit that clearly you learned growing up in a rural, rural environment and having no choice. Yeah. So true. So true. And the combination of that and, and not really dealing with it, not ever having any therapy through all of that. And then my marriage ending quickly. It was only nine months in, all my fault. Um, but um, but I just wasn't ready for marriage, obviously. And, and there was a lot of other things going on. And then I went, I was pretty wild after that. With the, all those what? things starting to say add it's up. Not, say it's not so. <laughs> so was, yeah. Yeah, no. Well, tell us a little more, but tell us a little more. Well, whatever you want, obviously. But so you're, you're, you're 18 and plus nine months. You're basically 19, recently divorced. Yeah. Again, past issues, past traumas not dealt with. But that was, we didn't deal with things like no, that back then. Like no. that was, you just swept it under the, you yeah. literally, yeah. You literally pushed it under the rug because that's, yeah. you know, keep calm, carry on, chip, chip, stiff upper lip. Like pick whatever saying you want. Okay. Maybe not, that was a little bit older, but, um, talking about openly and I grew up in a rural environment and you know dad was oldest of three brothers and you just didn't talk like you know no one cared if you had a bad day because you just had to get the work done anyway so so you know as a child grew up in that environment you know like dust yourself off and and move on it wasn't wrong it wasn't right it's just the way it was (laughs) yeah you just assumed because it's not talked about you're good I think 100 percent so you're 19 you're in Calgary and you're and your things are getting a little well and do you use yours a little while yeah a wild side a lot wild yeah A, a, a lot wild so did that did that just was that 
sowing the wild oats, or did, or did things go a little off the rails? Like, yeah, what, no, what happened? What de- happened? Definitely off the rails, full on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In fact, I I can honestly say, without my father, I would be dead today. Absolutely, he picked me up and dusted me off several times. So your dad obviously was a big part of your life, or has has been a big part of your life, like on ongoing. He was right up until a few years before he died, and then. And then when he died, he, that was a couple of years ago. Oh, so only only recently. Mm-hmm. So what, what did your dad do when he was no longer on, on the farm? It's always a tough transition for somebody who's always been the guy who just got stuff done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was always the deal maker. Um, okay. Al- always connecting people. And oh, I see a theme. I see a theme. Right, yeah. And I definitely looked up to him and how he did that. And he was always so so sweet to everyone, you know, always li- really listened and, and wanted to know, Was had this intense curiosity about mm-hmm. everyone's life and how to help and serve them. So watching that, and, and, and that's what he did. And, and from the chair, he did. He would buy, as an example, he would go to a, one of the farmer auction marts, and he would buy a, a baler that mm-hmm. would need fixed up, just a little bit of fixing up, and then he would turn around and sell it. And he did tons of that kind of stuff, where he'd buy a small piece of land and fix that up, and even his place in Pinoca. Um, he bought this place and my sisters and I were shaking our heads thinking, Oh my gosh, father, what are you doing? But, but, <laughs> but he knew what he was doing. He always did. And, um, he fixed that place up and made a ton of money when he sold it. It was uh, yeah, smart, smart guy. So always entrepreneurial, always, always. a go-getter. So clearly, obviously the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Oh, so, and, and, and did you realize at the time? I know, I think we all sometimes looking back, like I'm a real expert on my life when I look back on it, <laughs> sometimes when I look forward, but did you realize at the time, was it, was it always a big impact? And did, did, did you, I guess, always curious of realizing in hindsight, listen to you talk now, he clearly had a big impact on who you are and okay. kind of the, the world that you've built. Did you realize that at the time? Or is that something that's maybe come around more over the years? No, I always, always realized it with my dad where I didn't realize it is with, my the rest of my family my mom and my two oh. sisters and okay and the positive impact they had and still have on me I didn't recognize that until recently oh and was was there anything that happened kind of a, a like was there a turning point because I think sometimes yeah. for all of us sometimes you need a need you need a life a little slap <laughs> to kind so of true. to realize it was it something that happened or was there a transition or are we, are we just getting older and wiser <laughs> no it was for for my middle sister Roxanne it was a a, a major impact I Prominent personnel was being run by a really cool lady who I still say is the very best president that Prominent ever had, Carmen Goss. And she was ready to slow it down because she had a lot of stuff going on. And and I didn't want to run Prominent anymore. That was branded as an oil and gas brand, and I didn't want to be in only that. And I'd been off doing some other fun things. And for whatever reason, it was a combination of the weather we're having now, two weeks of minus whatever, which gets me down, (laughs) I think a lot of us. And I'm out in Red Deer visiting family, and my sister Roxanne can see that I'm shaken, visibly shaken. And I, I didn't know what to do with Prominent. I didn't know what to do with... I had CBI as an um, event management company, but it really wasn't making any money. And there was a lot of combination of many things that were going on that I was not interested in. And she just basically shook me and said, you know what you're made of. And she reminded me of all the things that I had done up until that point. She goes, you're very good at putting people together. You're very good at headhunting. Shut down Prominent and do this. Rebrand CBI, make it whatever you want it to be. It's a clean slate. It was the best advice I, I could have had. And I put my shoulders back and I thought, I, you're absolutely right. I absolutely love that part of the business. And I can create whatever I want now from this point forward. And I did. 
Oh, good for you. It's something we joke about here all the time. Like you can't see the label when you're inside the bottle. So uh, you know, it's something we've said for years. But at the same, no one can 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 call your can can call you out like a family member can. Yeah, it's so true. Because <laughs> they know, and sometimes know us better than we know ourselves. And that's such an interesting philosophy. You know, we, we get so close to it. We get so wrapped up in our own. Like you know, technically, we always have the choice to kind of literally do whatever we want. But have someone like either one give us permission or kick us, kick us in the butt <laughs> and give us no choice. It's, it's a fine. It's a fine line bet- between the two. So how many years ago? Because that wasn't that long ago that you made you made no, that shift. Six or seven years ago, I think. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, and it's been amazing. Not without a huge amount of effort from all of my friends and what we refer to as the love army. Okay, uh, yeah. tell me a little bit about that. Well, it's anyone that you can call up at any point, seven days a week, and say, can I just have your time for the next hour and just talk about me? Hmm. Whatever's that's going on. Inter- that's a really interesting criteria. That's our definition of the love army. And and I, I have a great group of wonderful friends, Bruce Edgelow, John Riddell, um, so many, you, um, Jan. Well, I've been at some of your events and it's, it's, it's a consistent group of people and they're all very invested and they're all very open yeah. and they're really easy to meet and, you know, kind of like, like attracts, like attracts like, and I certainly have found that anytime I've interacted with, you know, obviously I meet you and you're a force to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm. And then I meet, you know, other people in your peer group and there's, there's definitely a flavor. There's definitely a vibe and that openness. And when you meet them, then you're immediately like, you're already pre-qualified because you're in the room kind of thing. <laughs> and I think that goes a long way as well. Oh, well, you're friends with Catherine, then we're good. We're going to be, we're going to be friends for sure, you know, and that's, that's huge to be able to leave that. Well, 85,000 contacts and, you know, uh, that's a nice big number to throw out and it's, and it's kind of marketing, but at the end of the day, it's like to have a peer group that really you can rely on and they can rely on you. That's huge. Cause really at the end of the day, what, like, what do you, what are you keeping score of? Really? That's the money can come and go and success can be fleeting, but the friends that are there, no matter what, those are, that's when you really find out. (laughs) Yeah. Either that and when you have to move, but that's, 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 that's another, so tell me about 85,000 contacts. That's, that's a it's a big number. How do you manage that? Where is that just a database? What what, what? I have yeah. to ask because it, it got my attention. <laughs> well, it's a combination of a few data- databases because okay. because of the organizations that I've worked for, uh, they're all very confidential databases. Of right? course, so, so there there's a combination of several. Plus, when prominent personnel was uh, existing from 1998 until we closed it, however many years ago, um, we tracked everything on a Unix Linux server. Now, of course, with LinkedIn on the scene, of course, you know, I, there's been, I bet it's been two years since I looked at that old database. It still exists. There's still 85,000 in there, right? but I've got everything that I need in LinkedIn or even some of the, the private databases that I need. I just, yeah, it's amazing. It's how much has technology changed your life as a connector? Night and I'm not going to say recruiter because that's a different, or, you know, those words could be so easily mean something else, but you're a connector. Night and day, night and day. It's, it's so, yeah, to stay connected and, you know, a lot of people, you know, are negative towards social media or positive or have different views on it. But as far as a way to stay connected and to network with people and, you know, and, and quality and get good, you know, the whole one life feels like it's one to two degrees of separation at the best of times. And technology has brought that down and, and made the made because I know for yourself, you work, you work globally. Yeah. You yeah. really have no borders. No, no. LinkedIn doesn't have any borders if you yeah. want to really just tie it to exactly. tie it to a platform. Exactly. Where where do you see it going? Because again, this, I'm going to ask you this: is we're going down a different path here a little bit, but I'm seeing a little bit of a recoil from social media. People are sharing less; they're using it. I would say maybe a little bit more skillfully, respectfully, prudently. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you see that negatively impacting? Do you see that? How do you see that affecting your job? Your what you do for a living, which is is connection, and you you kind of need people to put themselves out there to be able to connect the right person for the right job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree, and and there is certainly some pullback. I'm encouraging the ones that are interested in, in pulling back to do that. 
if that's what's more comfortable for them. Right. And then learning from some of the best that understand what social media really is, especially when they understand what their goals are. If they've got some preferred outcomes like looking for a new job or or building new business or um, having new connections in whatever part of the world, LinkedIn is absolutely required. Not sure Facebook is. Um, it's not a fair sure. point. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think Instagram certainly will be, uh, it continue to be uh, a lead, and how that's continuing to change is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and who it's shifting who- quick right now. There's a lot of changes happening. A lot more businesses getting on the platform, so it's starting to move to a bit of an ad platform. Which, as a user, that's you know, when every third post is an ad and. I found there was a cycle where when companies were first getting on there, they were really investing in good quality ads or good quality creative. Now this, they're just filling space. And that's, you know, as a user, I'm going to take myself out of it, someone who works in marketing. Again, if, respect your audience by at least giving them good quality content to look at. Oh, I agree. <laughs> but anyways, that's, that's, a, that's a conversation for another day. But well, it is changing rapidly right now. Mm. I will add to that that um, you're absolutely right. When, when I see any negative marketing that, or at least it hits me in a way that's salesy mm-hmm. or it doesn't actually speak to what it is that I've signed up for to learn about this person. Yes. Then unfortunately that's a, that is definitely a negative for, for me thinking of who it is that I'm trying to follow and I'll unfollow them. And it's so interesting because if we were having this conversation and I immediately just started trying to sell you on something, it would have the same negative impact. But yet we do it with this, as soon as we were slightly removed or there's like, you know, a piece of technology between you and the person, you treat them differently than if you were sitting having a chat with them. And maybe they wouldn't. Maybe they would be all salesy too, which is we've all been to those presentations and those talks and, and halfway through they're trying to sell you on whatever the next thing is. And you just check out. Yeah, our absolutely. bullshit meter, my, my business partner jokes, like our bullshit meters have never been higher <laughs> because we're exposed to so much and we also have the power. Because everything we you kind of want to learn or anything you want to purchase or you can, you know, you're not, you're not restricted anymore by where you can get that thing from, whatever it is, including good talent or good jobs. 50-50. What have you seen in, in terms of employers now, because there's more transparency around who they are and what they're about. If they mistreat people, it's more, have you seen a shift? Are employers getting a lot more serious about their own brands and their own way that they're seen? You know, now that it's both, depending on the market, it could be an employer market or employee market. Yes. Because uh, I think, the, I, I always like to think of it as a 50-50. This is a sure. mutual, no one has the, if anyone, one person has the power, something gets abused. So true. So what have you seen with, with companies? Are they getting a little bit more, I don't know, intent and, and uh, intentional about who they are and what they're putting out there? I think we need more of that. Okay. Especially in Calgary. And interestingly, I've had many conversations, especially in the last few weeks, people that are very upset with losing their job again or been out of a job for three years and they start telling me some of the truth about what their exit looked like interestingly that many many of the organizations that we were talking about in those conversations have gone backwards and i wondered and i and i was only asking the question of all of them (laughs) i wondered if it was because is that our dna and what we only knew so we're going back to that way of thinking and that way of doing because that's what we know best that fear or creating fear or you know everyone is working past capacity there's very rarely are we in a point where we're we're dealing with an organization that has someone that has more capacity to take on more things 
very rarely right. Well, because we've cut back on the people, but we the, we didn't cut back on the work, right. unfortunately. And you hear that from the, you know, we used to have five people in the apartment, now it's me. Right. And I'm wearing four hats and I'm stressed and you, I hear that all the time. So, so much. Hmm, it's, so it's, it's, that, but yet you're, you, you're, you're treated a little bit, well, you should be thankful to be here because not everyone, you know, again, it creates an interesting kind of dynamic that, why is it always so adversarial? <laughs> it doesn't need, it doesn't need to be, but, and you live in it every day. So I'm curious of your perspective because you like to think it's getting better and there is more transparency out there, but you know, and then under stress, there's that old adage, you resort back to your kind of survival, survival mode, which is kind of what I think you just said. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Hmm. So CBI, you make it, make it, made it what you wanted to be and got rid of all the things you didn't. So you touched on a little bit at the beginning. So in terms of, is CBI really just, is it a complete reflection of, of what's important to you? Again, I guess I'm always curious when, when someone has got such a strong leader like yourself in an organization, you've got a team of people, how much of the corporate values have been organized to be the company? Or is it literally just you literally living your truth and getting people on board that, that align with that? Yeah, it's, it's me living my truth. And, and with advisors, so I don't I don't make any move without. In fact, I had a, a critical decision to make on Saturday, and I pulled in five of my Love Army mentors one by one. <laughs> I, I love that you call. I didn't know that term. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I literally called all five of them on Saturday before I made my decision. And so, although it's me deciding from an internal perspective, I do not make a move without the reminders of what it is that I say I am and what it is I want to do, and how I want to show up in the world. And then internally, we, we just, we've got the right people on the bus. They think like I do, they, and or I think like they do. I mean, who, which comes first? Chicken, absolutely. Right? No, that's, that's, a nice way to, that's a nice way to say it. Yeah, they're wonderful people. They're, they're pure hearts and love, love, love people. That, I think you touched on something so valuable and I think it's great for you know people listening and depending on what level you're at and so often there's that illusion of having all the answers and the value of the peer group and I, I think someone else I was chatting with here uh, on one of the episodes you know that when you first get into business and then they share with you you know make sure you have a good lawyer make sure you have a it's all true make sure you and you know but then it extends to your team make sure you hire people that are smarter than you about the things that they do but having that external peer group that you know I used to be an executive group a long time ago and for quite a few years and my buddy always joked you know you sit around the table with people that have stepped on the landmine you're about to step on <laughs> and all you have to do is be humble enough to go hey um do you think there's any landmines here and they're like well let me tell you about the landmines that i stepped on but not but the second you think you have all the answers you don't ask those questions right and that's when i don't that's when you just up your risk to me uh, uh like an unacceptable, an unacceptable, an acceptable level. So I'm curious. So growing up around, I know, I know I grew up around the farm table and there was lots of peer review, I guess, or, or it's because everyone had an, had an opinion and shared it. So growing up, you know, obviously you guys had a lot of challenges young. Was it, was it a team environment? Like did you do all your family participate? Did your dad yes. seek counsel with the rest? Yeah. So you grew yes. up in that. I know I did. So I'm just drawing that parallel. You, I didn't, I'd never thought about it for a long time, but the, the consensus of the kitchen table was my dad and a couple of hired men and one of his brothers always worked for him and they always had these big debates about, about everything discussions and ultimately somebody has the decision but they were always influenced it was no one came out of a closed room and go i have all the answers no, never <laughs> be weary be weary of that person <laughs> i've been in the cave for 30 days i've come down from the mountain i have all the answers like, well, i don't know i'm curious Maybe we're going to check this to check this out no and it's funny so much of, of you know who we become as business people and the ton of teams we created were what what did we grow up seeing what did we grow up you know how how did it work so for you, you know, obviously we talked a lot about, so what's your formal, formal background education? I didn't actually finish. I started okay. at Mount Royal. In fact, I was going to be a social worker when I was married. 
Okay. Um, well, that actually, very short window. That, that very short window. The, before we were married, I actually, um, uh, I, I was putting him through school and then the deal was I would go through school. And then when we were married, I started at Mount Royal in social work. Um, wanting, okay. wanting to save All the world. Helping people. I, yeah, no, I get that makes sense. It makes sense. <laughs> well, except then I, one of my volunteer activities was working. I forget, maybe it was Elizabeth Fry or somebody awesome. And, um, I am working next to a social worker who had been a 30 year veteran. And I said, so what's it like? And does it feel good every day? And, and she goes, you know what? I loved it, but unfortunately the system doesn't support you for long. So it's worn me thin. And Catherine, I make zero money. I said, what is that? $800 a month. Now, this was 1984. Uh, but, but yeah, the point was made. <laughs> the point was made. I'm like, what? I can't save the world on that. So No. So That's I, very powerful you just said, I can't <laughs> save the world. I can save the world, but I can also make, be wealthy and save the world at, <laughs> on an exponential scale. Right. So, so I walked down to the guidance counselor, and th- at the same time, the divorce is happening. Things are not good, and money is running thin. So I said to him, I have no idea what I'm going to do. I don't want to be a social worker. I don't have enough money to finish what I want. And I don't know what to do. And he goes, are you serious? You should be a sales rep. And I'm thinking, I don't know if you remember WKRP and Herb Tarlick. I abs- yes, I do. We <laughs> so, joke about that a lot. My imaginary office, knock on, I, right. you can't come in without knocking on the door. Yeah. I love to, Anyways, yeah, we're dating ourselves now joking about <laughs> I know, WKRP. that's true. Good point. Yeah, yeah. I can joke that with some of my staff. The staff are like, I don't know what you're talking about, Tyler. But yes, for anyone listening, WKRP was this great sitcom. Anyways, right. yeah, I think I could probably sing the theme song, but we'll do that at the end. Next time. So you pictured Herb oh, Tarlick. Oh, my God. And I thought, uh, They're no. selling ad space. <laughs> don't freaking away. I'm going to be Herb Tarlick. Like, but you know what? I started talking <laughs> awesome. to my dad and he said, well, think about some of the people that do it a different way. They're not sales people. They're, right. they're just, remember the UFA, UFA guy? I go, yeah, he's a pretty awesome guy. I go, maybe you could do it anyway, in a different way. Maybe you do it your way. Mm-hmm. Do it my way. So I had a really great mentor with McGavin Foods and uh, I did get the job and um, he was absolutely amazing. Tim Fezzik, definitely one of my, my love army guys. And he taught me everything that I know about sales client relationships, loving, serving, supporting, and following up. All of those key pieces to the full strategy on supporting and serving appropriately without ever feeling like you're selling. And it works. And I still use that strategy. Just being human. Just be it's human. So, it's so it's, we make it complicated. I'm wondering, I understand one of your books is on, is on selling, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah actually, yeah. How to Sell in Any Economy. Nice. That might be a handy book. So, so how to, and all available on Amazon. I think yes, all your yes, books. Thank That's you. Yeah, a little plug. I'm nice getting a little plug. plug in there for you. So you don't have to sell. I'll sell for you. I You're think so it's awesome. great. I think it's awesome. So you started your, you started your, your path and in, in, it said you were in the food, food industry. Yeah. McGavin Foods was my first sales rep job. Okay. And was that on the road, road, road warrior? Like you're knocking yeah. on doors? Yeah. Yeah. No, I went out to the, all the different co-ops and the Safeways and the little corner stores and uh, oh, it was just awesome. Did a lot of events. Um, okay. At that time, there was a lot of uh, McGavin's wanted client events, so I was organizing that. So from a young age, I really enjoyed all of it. And how old were you at that point? Gosh, um, uh, 85, 86. I don't even know. 19, I don't know. No, we don't need to be too precise. I'm really bad people, at yeah, that. It doesn't, it doesn't, I'm, always, I'm always just curious because these different phases of life where we literally, you know, I always joke, my life makes a lot of sense in reverse. Right. If I look back, I'm like, oh, I understand why I did that, like yeah. why that led to that. But at the time... I was going here, then I was going there, kind of an eclectic path. So yeah. when I hear you talk about it, it makes me it makes me smile. So but everything contributes to the whole and yeah, kind of got us got us to where we're. So you, so you worked in food in food yeah. sales. How long did you do that for? Three years. 
And what happened? And where did you go after that? Was that when? Because um, I know you made the transition to oil and gas somewhere around that yeah, time. Yeah, well. right around. Did I go? No, I didn't go straight there. I had a couple other sales jobs, but at the same time, I was bodybuilding hardcore. So oh, that's right. I, I forgot about that. <laughs> so that was kind of my full time job. Really, it was five hours in the gym. That is a full time job. Between working out and making food and sleeping enough, that is like literally a full time full time job. It was ridiculous. What a stupid thing. <laughs> oh my god! Don't do it. Don't do it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that is a whole other yes I, I did I think I shared with you I did a stint I worked at, at Gold's Gym in Venice Beach right. I ran the nutrition center there and the world I got to see which was fitness in brackets but not really fitness at all <laughs> it's a crazy scene anyway I got to go to the mecca of it okay. and yeah everything wrong about about not really taking care of yourself and but looking like you are anyway that's a crazy that's a crazy intense world it's so how long did you body build for uh, not long, actually. Okay. I, I was only sculpt- sculpting, okay. uh, body yeah. sculpting, up until February 14th of whatever year that was. And I had a bet with a guy that I was seeing, which was not a healthy relationship. And he said I'd never finish it. And I said, good, let's have a bet. <laughs> so, nice. So I won't ask what you won because that was Valentine's Day that you won. So we'll, uh, we'll leave that no, to me. No. You said February 14th. So Yeah, but nothing else. Okay, all right. All right. <laughs> because I'm, of I'm all not going to make it weird. We're not going to make it weird. <laughs> <laughs> let's not. <laughs> let's, well, not yet, anyways. We've we still got lots of time left. Um, uh, but bodybuilding, again, yeah. tons, of, tons of discipline. Yeah. And almost not, like, it's a bit of an antisocial to a certain extent. There's a gym sure. community, but it's really, it's a, it's me, myself, and I kind of sport. Really? Unlike a team sport and someone who's as into people as you are, it almost, you know, again, we do everything that we do, but it, feel, it doesn't feel like it aligns. It, it's true. In fact, I'd phone all my friends that I knew I was going to see at the gym later on because by the time I was so depleted with calories, etc., I had zero energy for anyone by the end of the day and I didn't want to talk to anyone. So I would phone them in the morning. And, <laughs> when and you were go, still before still you, love you, before still you ran love out of you. gas. Yeah, <laughs> So anyway, you said a short stint because it didn't really yeah. line up with the with the intrinsic the intrinsic no. intrinsic cue. No. Is fitness still a big part of your life? Do you still stay active? Are you still in the gym? Are you still taking care of yourself? Actually, no. I I swim now. Oh, nice. I absolutely love it. I've got so you found so you found a way to. I just think it's so important. And the reason I ask is I find so many people sometimes they change success for health. Oh. Well, you have to be really successful. You have to work twenty four hours a day and you know not take care of yourself, which I I don't I disagree. I think whatever you you bring to whatever you're doing is going to be a better you. Agreed. And you're finding and I think you know fitness goes through phases. You know, it's part of sometimes your life. You do bodybuilding. Other times you do swimming. Yeah. But it's it's good to hear that you've kept it up. And clearly it looks like you've kept it up. And I thought I, thought I would ask if what what mm-hmm. where, where you found the channel that mm. I love swimming. I could go every day if I could. Yeah, I love it, love it. No, it's it's a great, and yeah, I don't think it keeps a much healthier, healthy body, healthy healthy mind. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll do a little Zen moment. We'll do Zen moment. We'll dance. Um, so then, in late eighties, moved into oil and gas sales. Yes, oil and gas. I started at Agate Laboratories with John, okay. John Desante. Absolutely loved that experience. What was great too is that because of the intense training with McGavin Foods, which was very organized, etc., structured, really regimented, like a, a you know a Xerox style sales. Like I know lots of people that came out of that back in that time frame, and they're like best training I ever got because it was a very structured environment, very, very deliberate, very deliberate. Good lesson for everyone who doesn't onboard and train their team to the level that they could. <laughs> so true. Yes, all those all those critical tips, and then relationship building was really important. And then with Agate. Um, they had a very structured uh, notes taking, like a, a CRM, and that, ah, was, okay. that was the first time I ever experienced anything like that. That was whatever year, and and the first time I actually put anything into a computer. Everything was always, yeah, you late eighties, yeah, yeah. The, the dot com boom hadn't happened yet. It's no. like still, your computers were not necessarily a mainstay. Probably had a lot of salespeople resisting, Everyone as they still did. do. <laughs> entering, entering, ah, you dove right into it. I loved it because oh. then I could track all the things I wanted to track. I wanted to remember my clients 
husband's name or wife's name or their kids' names or the anniversaries. I wanted to honor their So birthday. for you, this tool was power. Oh, such, so powerful. Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah, no, I absolutely loved it. And I appreciated that training there too. And then I was headhunted every time I moved. Um, and I loved all the experiences for different reasons. I uh, worked for Solid and um, Northland Production Testing, Canadian Frack Master. Okay. Uh, was part owner of Dynafrac Well Services and lost my shirt. Oh, so you've got that story. I think everyone who's been in Calgary has an up story and a down story. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, silly. Silly me and my family. Well, we put a lot of money into it. And, oh, I, it ah, silly so in well. hindsight. It's tough. You, you go, we go in with best, best intentions and we make the best decision available at the time. Right. Then you look back, you're like, oh, no. Oh, no. I think we all have one of, I think we all have those stories. That, no doubt. The hard left turn. So curious, something I'm going to ask that something I, I deal with when I'm recruiting and I've talked to people about it. Sounds like you moved around a lot. You had a I lot did. of different roles. I did. So when you see a resume today where someone's got, you know, 18 to 24 months, 23 months, 20 months, and is that a negative? Is it more just a reason to dive in and try to understand the story? How do you look at that when you see a resume that's got a lot of move? Let's just call it movement. Mm. It depends who it, it depends who the client is or what it is I'm trying to achieve from that conversation. Okay. So if a, if a client is more conservative and would prefer someone to stay for 10 to 15, 20 years, then that clearly is not going to be the candidate for them. Uh, Makes however, sense. Make if, a match. <laughs> right, exactly. If there's a client that's progressive and open to outliers, then it's my job to find out what blood is running through their veins. Because like me, when I jumped around, it had nothing to do with the organizations that I was leaving. Sure, in some cases, there was times where I was having difficulty with a manager or whatever, but that all those things could be resolved if I really felt that that was worth staying. It, it, absolutely. You invest and you figure it out. Mm. Right. I kept jumping because I thought that there was supposed to be something else for me, and I wasn't sure what it was. So I kept searching, and by jumping, I thought that I was getting, that was going to be my net, that was going to be the next one. That's where I'm going to stay forever. Right. Every time was intended, just like all my marriages. <laughs> <laughs> how, how, how many jobs, how many marriages? We don't, again, we don't need to get too specific. Yeah, that's okay. No, that's okay. We'll leave some things for the audience's yeah, imagination. That's Absolutely. Right. That's right. No, I think it's because I've, I've very seldom ever interviewed anyone that said, you know what? I only plan to be here for 20 months and then I'm going to leave. Right. Like I'm looking for a place to stay. I'm looking for the, like my forever place. But yet I look at the resume and I see it, you know, so I tend to lean in and go like, what impact did you have? Because mm-hmm. if I have someone that's going to have significant impact for 24 months and then leave, I might rather have that than someone's going to have 60 months of average impact. Right. But, but it might fill a different role. And yeah. uh, Again, it always comes back to it takes a lot of work as the employer and the employee to really understand what it is we both want out of the relationship. And is it relevant? You want that high impact disruptor Mm -hmm. that maybe after 15 months they've disrupted all they need to disrupt (laughs) and you actually need to settle it out. I don't know. I'm just curious because it's so easy to look at it as as a negative. Like we we still go back. I want to call it like the old days. I've done the same thing for 25 years. Is that a plus? No. No. Fair enough. But yet we're scolding you, if we're, we're penalizing you in some way if it was less than a certain time frame or if there's a track record I don't like. But like again, speaking about being curious, you got to figure it out. What's, yeah. what's the story here? Yeah. Maybe just things got hard and you jumped or maybe you did the change that you needed to do and you moved on. Like yeah. that relationship was no longer fulfilling for everyone involved. Right. <laughs> I'm just curious because with seeing every, the, the, the applicants that you see and the amount of different roles you're trying to fill, you know, and, and knowing you a little bit, the way I know you, you dig enough to be, you could be curious enough to find out what's really going on. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that because no matter what happens, even if the search mandate, I can usually tell within five to 10 minutes if the search mandate is going to be a match for them. Okay. If not, 
I want to go deeper anyway, because I see so many other opportunities that if I know what this person could be doing with the passion that is inside them, then why not make some introductions anyway? How exciting. Which being, which is, I'm assuming, yeah, for yourself, that, that, that bank or that, that, that portfolio, I don't even know what to call it, like that group of candidates, that's so powerful to, for them to know that you're out there with their best interests in mind, you know, and if I happen to randomly talk to you, you're like, you know what? I've got just the person for you. Like, mm-hmm. that's such a gift and some of the best recruiter. How do you like to be referred to? I'm, I keep saying the word recruiter. And I don't know if that's the right uh, word. Whatever. There's lots of words. I've been me. scolded before by different <laughs> staffing company. Don't call me this. Don't call me uh, that. I call myself a headhunter. Okay. Unicorn Hunter, I think I also saw that. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> one of our clients called me a unicorn wrangler, so the girls put it up there. I think I talked to one of your references one time, and I think the word you have, like, they found, they found us a unicorn. Like, <laughs> And I, sometimes I look at the job descriptions we create, I'm like, oh my God, we're looking for unicorns again. Like, this is <laughs> crazy. But with today, and there's so much <laughs> diversity and like the, resor- the level of resourcefulness and technical skills, like it's interesting combinations. Mm-hmm. Like jobs are, it, it's, it's, it seems to me, and maybe I'm, it, it's, never, it's never cut and dried, it feels like. No, so true. And so, you know, and again, I'm often open to meeting people. They reach out and are you hiring anyone? I'm like, well, no, not technically, but like I'm always open to interest, meeting interesting people because yeah. in a service-based business, you never know who that next person is going to be. That's going to have significant impact on your business by bringing a new idea, a new mindset. And we're a small team of 30, you know, one person can have impact. So There's no nameless, faceless person who disappears in the corner of the room. It doesn't happen. Right. You know, in a smaller company, it's, it's interesting because your people are no question your most powerful mm-hmm. asset, especially for us. No, no, no doubt. And to, you know, and but you just can't be out there all the time. It's it's a it's a full, it's a full time job <laughs> to, to to network. It is. So what do you see in the future? What's what's biggest challenges for you, kind of going forward? Is it just kind of steady ahead and continue to grow, or what's what's the crystal ball look like for you? Yeah. Uh, well, interesting. I've never been able to be successful with the crystal ball. And usually, fair enough. <laughs> usually, when I think that I I've got it, the universe has a different way. Of bringing <laughs> universe it. is funny like that. <laughs> just not to let us get too settled into confidence. Right. <laughs> Exactly right. Um, Well, based on what I've seen in the last year and the fact that we now have our processes and systems nailed, we are absolutely ready with capacity to be able to continue on the path that we are because I think that if things continue the way they are, Mm -hmm. which I think they are, uh, we're going to get busier and busier on the CBI side and our team is ready. And then on my side, where I personally am, is love, as you know, the networking. I love serving the community in places like Singularity University. I'm supporting uh, the April 23rd, 24th Summit. I'm supporting that, trying to fill the room, getting sponsorships. Um, I love supporting my my number one, number two clients. You know, I love having that opportunity to uh, be available for them seven days a week with VIP events or supporting with database management or even today we did a, a lunch and learn stand peak. My performance coach and I uh, was in a, one of our clients and he absolutely nailed it. He's so, so good. Uh, he's definitely one of my love army guys too. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And um, so just being available for them for anything that they might need really gets me excited about life. So I'd like, I, I want another one of those clients okay. uh, for the next year and then just keep doing what we're doing. That's nice. That's nice to be well positioned and to be confident about who you are and, and, and where you're headed and to have the right team. Yes, the team. Oh my gosh. Which are, it's make it's 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 is absolutely make 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 a break. It's everything. <laughs> um advice for anybody who's out there looking for, you know, other maybe they're in between like we'll talk about Calgary or we can talk about it on a broader on a broader scale, but <clears throat> 
what, what would be some blanket advice or that you would put out there? Again, I was going to give a scenario, but there's so many different scenarios. So I guess someone who's either in a job that they're not feeling satisfied or is not meeting their objective, or maybe they've been out of a job for a while and they're, and they're struggling. Is there kind of a top three or a top checklist that you would put out there for them? Maybe just a mindset or things they can do besides call you, which I will recommend that highly. Thank you. Thank what would you, what would you put out there for them? Well, uh, number one is to ensure that you're networking. Even if you're in a, in a position where you're working like crazy hours, like a lot of people are, and they're exhausted by Friday, force yourself to get out there. Be oh, that can be tough. So if you're tough. maybe a little bit introverted, you're a little oh, bit burnt out, yeah. maybe, you know, kids at home, dog to dog to walk again, li- life, life, life. And, and take a buddy, somebody who's more like me that, that, seems to have energetic all the time. Well, Um, some people get, get energized by networking events. Other people get tapped by it. I think the the kind of introvert extrovert, not to use labels, but you know, I know sometimes I'm pretty extroverted until Friday afternoon and I'm like, I get pretty introverted all of a sudden. And I was like, Oh, you want to go out? I'm like, no, I do not have people all week. I'm good. But you know, those new opportunities are those new conversations, which Calgary I think is famous for, you know, I don't know how many people I've known have got a job because they had the right conversation with the right person. That's exactly right. Yes. And then leverage your love army. Don't be afraid to ask the people. It's so interesting how many people I sit in front of that, uh, as an example, um, they've been out of work for two years. Um, so what have you been doing for networking? Oh, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. So have you talked to your love army? Well, what does that mean? So I explain that. Oh, no, I would never talk to my dad. Oh, so your dad is president of an energy company. You would never talk to your dad. Hmm. Okay. Do, you, do you say it just like that too and then just pause? <laughs> uh, and, and many come from that, 80% will come from that place of, I don't want to ask for anything. I can do this all on my own. Uh, the and, stiff, the chip, chip, stiff upper lip stuff. Oh gosh. Yeah. I, and you know, obviously maybe it's from where they've come from. It's unfortunate though, because when we really learn that our love army is not only ready to serve and support us, they want to. And they feel really bad when they know that we've been struggling and we haven't reached out to them. I've been. Why didn't you ask me sooner? Like, of course, like, of course. Yeah. So reach out to the Love Army. That's great advice. Yeah. Uh, We've got a great team that's available to send tons of tips to them. Uh, We've got a free download from our first book, which although it's it's dated now, a lot of the tips and tools are very same. We're all still humans having a human experience. So often those things don't change that much. That's so right. Just reach. I grew up in a small town. So all you had to do, you always knew somebody would help you. There was always something or somebody you could reach out to. And Calgary is one of the biggest small towns I've ever ever lived in. (laughs) You know, and I've certainly found in business, in life, nothing happens in life without a relationship somewhere at its base, whether it's a business deal, whether it's a job, whether you just meet that person. But if you go in with a relationship that opened the door for you, it's so much better. Oh, warm Whether that's a sale lease or whatever oh. it is. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Whether you're looking for a job or building your business or whatever, reach out and, and don't be afraid to reach out. And, and I, I, I agree with you in the sense that you still have to find out what works for you. If mm-hmm. going to networking events isn't your thing, then go for coffees. Sure. But, you know, and if there's a belief system that tells you you can't ask for help, I would really implore you to work on that belief system because it's, sure. the people that care about you want to help you. They do. That's, and- that's such good advice. And it's so, it seems so obvious, but yet I do believe it's overlooked or people are like, oh, hey, you know, I have a favor to ask. I'm like, sure, what do you, what do you, what do you need? I was just recently in, um, we hosted, um, we let, we do student tours. Mm-hmm. So usually, uh, students either in the marketing program at different schools, they'll come in and do tours. And so I'm like, well, I'm getting a little bit away from that. You know, I may be the person that would hire you, but I'm maybe not the person who's going to give you credible advice. So I brought in one of my account managers who is 26 and she got her start in Toronto. 
And she like literally laid it out for these kids. Like if you're not out there, she goes, I called CEOs. I called craft, I called, you know, art directors, creative directors. And she goes, I was shocked how few people said, no, I don't want to meet with you. Right. It's either I'm writing a paper at school or I'm just doing, I'm doing interviews to learn more about the industry. And she directly got her first job hands down from somebody who was like, well, I don't need you, but I know somebody who does and you're awesome because you came and talked to me about me, which is really a simple formula. Right. And it was kind of scary because she said, and how many of you in the room have already, like you're in your last semester, how many of you started networking? Not one of them put up their hand. Right. Right. So whether you're 21 coming out of school or in a senior position and it, it... it, it, it seems like it's a phenomenon. It's, it's, it's an epidemic in terms of people not getting out there in a world when we've never had more tools to network. Mm. It's so true. I, sometimes I, I say that it might be, maybe they need to do something joyful for them, for themselves, whatever that joyful is mm-hmm. before they go out and have to force their, themselves to do that. Get in your, get your resource state, get yeah, in, get in a good, get pumped. <laughs> and I think, I think it, it's, it's, it's so important because whatever, you know, whatever attitude or whatever mindset you have when you show up at that interview or, or, or the meet and greet or just the coffee, if you're in a good place, people really just want to help you. We're so like deep down humans. I think we really are caring and we, and we are really just ask for help. Plus we're Canadians. I just ask for help right. and we're going to help that's you. Right. That's right. So that was two pieces of advice. Is there a third? Yes. Mm. Um, Put you on the spot. Yes. You know what? Actually third is really important too. Make sure that your LinkedIn is completely up to date. There's a professional photo, not a picture of you and your sweetheart or kissing the dog. This is <laughs> good, a, excellent advice. A business profile. Make sure you're getting lots of recommendations from people that you've worked with or worked in charity with or whatever. Lots of endorsements. Because when we're looking, we as headhunters are looking for someone like you, or even when I'm looking to buy something from a business, I'm looking at who it is I'm dealing with on LinkedIn or any of the social media before I'm making a decision to reach out. We're all private investigators. So true. You're on the call with somebody while you're, you can hear it. You can hear the keyboard. That's exactly right. I'm on your webpage right now. I'm on your LinkedIn. Oh, this is interesting. Oh, you know, Mark from, from so-and-so. Wow. I know. It's so, and it's not even creepy anymore. It's just, it's just the way it is. The way it is. And the ones that are not on it, which is interesting that back to that getting away from social media so what I say to them is unfortunately for you when you're not there I'm not going to be able to find you and you can't buy what you can't find right (laughs) yeah and Mm. and if you're applying for something and I've looked you up on LinkedIn now you have something to hide what are you hiding it's it's funny how it it means that by 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 default sure and I think it's an interesting lesson about what you said about you know putting yourself out there I th- I think, or what I hope is the shift in social media is being deliberate about it. Yes, agree. And LinkedIn being more of a professional platform, I find people a little more deliberate. Yeah. They're not giving their rants about politics. They're not giving the party pictures in Cancun where things got out of hand, you know, and Facebook. And uh, they just need to remember that people can go look at that too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think being more deliberate about it and, and not being dishonest or not like portraying the perfect world, which sometimes this social media is flagged with, but professionally put out the the persona, the brand. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to bring, put out that personal brand because it is personal branding at, sure the, at the end of the day and if you if you don't want it on the i heard i was talking to a pr person the other day and if like if you don't want it on the cover of a newspaper make sure it's not out there that's exactly because all of a sudden you're in the news and there are some pictures of you doing something that you don't want out there it's, and it's like everybody knows you don't want it out there they're gonna put it they're gonna put it out there and you know especially when you get into media and journalism and that and people that are willing to dig they don't it's, they don't have to have to try anymore that's right. <laughs> they don't it's have to go there. ask your friends and family they'll go look exactly. so i think being deliberate can be really important but i think you're absolutely right not overlooking how important it is or why well, don't use it so I don't think it's that important. It's okay, but 
other people do exactly. and kind of accepting that it, that it is out there. I think those are really good pieces of advice. And again, there's no barriers to those advice. Yeah. There's no cost barrier. Yeah. There's maybe a little bit of time, but it's really just kind of an attitude and, 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 and making the choice to do it, which I find a lot of things in life. <laughs> so, so I did want to talk about before we get to, before we wrap up here, get to the end. Um, You've launched a new venture. Yes, I have. Tell me, tell me a little, tell me a little <laughs> bit about it. Well, I always love to shock everyone from the beginning and just say it's sex products. Sex products. <laughs> say, say, sex products. Oh, I love that. Nice. Okay. Sec- All right. Okay. You have my attention. Everyone who's leaning in. Right. Anyone who didn't listen to the end of the podcast is going to miss. Like when you don't watch to the end of the credits to get to get the rest of that little those movie scenes. That's right. So, sex products. What does yeah. that mean? Tell me more. Well, I think I have to start with my why. Please. Um, so I think dad and I being best friends for all those years and, and when I became an adult and, and any of my exes will confirm this, that every time I left his house, I'd be crying knowing that I'm able to have this freedom of intimacy in any way that I want with whoever I want. And I'm leaving him and he's waving out the window with joy. I mean, he never, ever said to me that there was ever right. loneliness or anything. You would never, you don't talk about feelings. Uh, of course, <laughs> absolutely, right. I understand, no. But I felt it. And because I'm such an intuitive, I felt his loneliness, and it broke my heart all the time. So a year ago or so, I met this really cool sex therapist from Denmark who is actually with one of my very close buddies, who now we're all in business together with this, um, we start talking about this and, and my passion for shut-ins, people that are never touched, people that are, that unfortunately have been through whatever trauma and, and are missing this really wonderful piece of life. And she said, oh, Europe is so far ahead. Gosh, Canada is so far behind. And so we started talking about all the things that are available there and the things that we're missing out on here. So started researching, started telling everyone. So how, however many thousands of people I talked to in the, talked to in the <laughs> last year, they all knew what was on top of my mind. Like it wasn't just a shiny object this time. Yeah. It was a real thing. <laughs> yes. We've all been guilty. Butterf- butterfly. Oh, sorry. Back, pay attention. Get focused. That's right. Well, this time it, it was real. And well, you said it, it, when something comes from a why like that and yeah. something powerful for you. Okay. So. Yeah. What, 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 how did it materialize? Well, through many of these discussions, okay. um, I met some really cool people. So I met uh, Alexa, who was with the Hush Doors. She's now our COO. Uh, she's the one, of the one of the most open-minded, loving. She's only ever done this in the world of work, in, in adult sex toys and lubes, etc. She informs me that this is an unregulated industry. So a lot of the, the toys and lubes, etc. that we buy from these stores... Right. Not regulated. So, unfortunately, there's been a direct line to cervical cancer and all these other complications that can happen because it's not medically approved. That's so interesting. Again, what, you don't because you don't hear about it because again, sure. no one talks about it. So right. it all right. It's oh, hush hush. Yeah, I've in, got, in fact, completely. We, we call it the taboo show. Of course, of course. <laughs> oh my gosh! Right, it lives in that part of our brains. But that's another. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, and then we met uh, through actually interesting uh, one of our Rotary Stay in School uh, graduates. I was talking to one of our cor- our um, executive director at Rotary, and he said, "Oh my gosh! Well, I was just looking at one of the old files." you need to meet the Shane guy. Well, I meet Shane and he has, I don't know how many degrees in 
sex. Uh, I've met Shane at some point. He's an interesting character. Like I, I've never. I, I talk fast. That guy. It's a next level. So fast. Yeah. Anyways, so a really, fast. really interesting character, and he shared with me a little bit about his background and kind of through Rotary and really great, great story as great as, story. as well. But anyway, so sidebar. Yeah. No, it's a great no. And I'm gonna and, get, I'm gonna get Shane on here because we've chatted about it and oh, he wants to come idea. on because like, he's got a fantastic story. I'm gonna have to slow it down just so people yeah. can hear him. Yeah. But uh, really, really interesting story. of Somebody yeah. who really struggled and came and now is out there helping people. It's, yeah. it's a has a great story. Mm. And he and Alexa have become besties. They only live a block away from each other. So they're at all the shows. So we, we were at the burlesque show, uh, whatever Saturday that was, February 9th. Uh, we're, we're doing all these sensual sessions at private parties. And it's all going to be online. This is going to be a, um, education, consultation, and products available. Okay, so privacy, so people can all go. All private. But, but going to, a, a, I'm going to say, a reputable, because there's lots of stuff online. You can be yeah. careful what you punch in. Exactly. Uh, or what you search. What, what's, it, what's, it, what's it called? What's the name of the business? Uh, Sensual Intimate Wellness. Sensual, how, S, how would I spell it? S-E-N-S-U-A-L-E. Okay, so if I'm going to go search. But the website isn't up yet, I understand. No, no, it's, okay, a, it's, it's a machine. In fact, there's going to be, it's going to be membership driven too. So okay. we've got a really cool team on that. And it's going to be probably April 1st before that's all. Oh, okay, but around the corner. Right. It's coming. Yeah, yeah, it's around good the corner. Good for you. Good yeah. for you. So yeah. really met your why. Yeah. And then yeah. of, like like in typical Catherine's Pattern, you met a whole bunch of people. Yeah, it was awesome. They were, they had a shared vision, a shared yeah. passion for this thing. Yeah. And where do you see it going? What's the future of this? Is it because it's a passion project? Clearly, it it's something sure close is. to your heart. It sure is. No, this is this is a global thing. It'll be all over the my social media. It already is starting. We're starting to do a trickle campaign, just nice and slow. Yep, just, uh, just a, a teaser campaign. Let's call. Teaser, let's call it. Let's campaign. call it. Yeah, let's do that. Um, it's been in the newsletter, and then of course, once it's live, it will be everywhere. That will be a, a focus of mine. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Doing what you want to do but something that you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Well, kudos. Congratulations. That, sound, that sounds awesome. And again, when you speak about it, you're just glowing. For, yeah. for anyone who can't see Catherine right now, she's oh, literally glowing with a smile you. ear to ear And when, when you talk about it. Well, I think it's such a secret, you know, being, when you're passionate about something that, you know, you never get, you never have to work a day in your life and all those cliches, but they're surprisingly true. So true. <laughs> Often. Um, that was fantastic. I really enjoyed sharing. And, and you know, I, I wanted to hear your story. But again, I never want to miss an opportunity to, to have an expert in the room and talk about, you know, what, what do you do? And when you're looking for a role and what are some of the, the, the pro, pro tips, if, if you will, and I think something we can all relate to at different times, whether you're building your business, which is networking all the time, or whether you're out there in a difficult job environment, or you've got a great job, but you want to keep your options open. What do you need to do to keep it on your horizon? Because life is, you know, who knows? I don't still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. So I understand. I'm very open to it. So how would people what's the best way to get a hold of you um through katherinebrownlee.com okay so and go my online. email's on there my phone number my address for wine o'clock is on there yeah i've been to wine o'clock i highly recommend it it's <laughs> it's, it's fantastic um and um i really encourage my audience anyone who's really curious to meet someone who has had a huge impact on the world that she lives in uh which is miss brownlee to reach out and and make the connection you can eighty-five thousand contacts and growing oh, thank you tyler thank you for having me my pleasure have a great afternoon you too